Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Stephen, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. In short, we have standing water in a room in the middle of our house. All of our plumbing is in the back of the house. This room is in the front of the house. We've had multiple contractors come out, uh, different types, because we've been trying to figure out what's going on, uh-huh. and uh, none of them have been able to give us an answer. A lot of them said it has to be a leak. One of them said it's a waste leak. Uh, one said it was condensation. We have a pier and house, and uh, it's been ongoing, and we're trying to figure it out. And uh, my wife had put down some laminate tiles. And uh, from that point, that's when the condensation of the water started appearing. And okay, and this is this is a pier and beam house, so it's it's up off the ground. Yes. And you and you getting condensation in the middle of the room. Almost the whole room, middle to the sides. Uh, yes. And what type of flooring did you say she put down? Um. Well, at first she put down some of that stick laminate flooring. Okay. When we pulled that up, it was the first time we noticed it. And then we pulled it all up, and it eventually dried out. So that kind of outrules a leak. And uh, Correct. And uh, so months later, we went back and put some of that workout floor, sort of that foam floor, because we oh, didn't yeah. want to buy flooring again. Mm-hmm. And it expanded. We pulled that up, and there was more standing water under there than there was under the laminate. So, basically, it's sweating. We're not sure. What's that? It's sweating. Uh, have you been underneath the house? How how humid is it under there? It's actually pretty humid. Uh, yeah. I cut a hole through the floor. Should be able to crawl underneath there. I understand that, but I wanted to get under there, and I can't get under the house from the side mm-hmm. so i wanted to see what was going on so since then i've taken a front runner that was kind of at the crack of our front porch in the house and pulled that off to allow air to kind of pass through there we have bushes behind the house so i've created about a six inch space between the house and the bushes and there's lattice around the sides, so it should be much more breathable now Yep, and and that's what the the big issue is. You know, when you don't have any flooring on there that uh, you know that's have a, has a plastic sheet of some kind on it, basically your air conditioning system in the house is drying up the moisture that's coming through. But when once you put down uh, that peel and stick or that foam floor. You basically trap the moisture underneath it. The air conditioning system was no longer able to absorb that moisture, but the humidity levels are so high underneath the house, it's building up underneath there. And if you left those type of floors on there, you would start causing wood rot severely. It sounds like it should be something fairly simple to take care of with ventilation. The biggest mistake people make on block and base pier and beam homes is they start blocking the vents and the humidity levels go up. And this year it has been so wet the last couple of years that there are a lot of homes having moisture issues under them. Not just crawl space type homes, but slabs as well. But the advantage you have with a crawl space is you can get a fan 
that operates off humidity that you can put into one of the vent covers and have it suck air out from under the home as long as you got vents on the other end of the home so they can draw air in through those other vents all the way across the house and take it out that'll greatly reduce the humidity levels of the home and those fans are not that unbelievably expensive to get johnny how are you today hello yes sir what can i do for you oh i want to know what the recommendation would be on a, a cable tension slab versus rebar in the slab okay oh. you getting ready to build a new house yes i will be honest with you i personally prefer a rebar slab now if uh if the only way i could get the house is with a post tension cable so be it i would still buy it but here's the difference a post-tension cable slab, the cables are tensioned to pull and hold the slab together. And it, it puts a compressive strength or compression on the, the concrete to, to stay together because all concrete cracks by nature. Rebar in the concrete is there to hold the concrete together as well when it cracks. Uh, but post-tension cables... You know, originally were developed for doing bridges and stuff. It it has more flexibility to it than rebar, which makes it stiff and holds everything nice and tight. And so what happens is when you have just a post-tension slab, as the soils expand and contract and you get minor movement in the foundation, the foundation does exactly what it was designed to do. It flexes and goes up and down a little bit. Your sheetrock has no forgiveness at all for that movement that's when it starts to crack. When you use a conventional rebar slab where it's nice and stiff, then the slab can actually move the entire slab up and down instead of curling the edges and stuff, and you tend to have less cosmetic damage. Not to say that slab won't move, it just causes less cosmetic damage. What they have been doing with uh, newer post-tension slabs is Nowadays, they're actually putting rebar in the beams and still running the cables. So it's, it's really a hybrid combination of post-tension cables and rebar. And I got no problems with those at all. They, they do very well. Okay. Well, that answered my question. I appreciate it. You bet, Johnny. Good luck with that. All right. Thanks a lot. Oh, Johnny, you know, I should have told you, make sure you get a soils test so that they design the foundation based on that soils test so you know exactly what you need. Let's head to Spring Branch. Matt, how are you today? Hi, Jim. I've got a couple of questions. Okay. Master, master bedroom closets. Mm-hmm. I, want to, I think I want to put up some cedar planks. Yeah. Is, is there any way to, I mean, in my mind, I can just go to Home Depot, buy the cedar planks, you know, measure the square footage and cut them to size. Yeah. Uh, but I'm concerned on, you know, how I nail them in. Uh, is it just a plywood uh, going through the drywall, or should those, you know, thin planks, would there you, be a you, weight-bearing issue? Yeah, it's not a weight-bearing issue, but you need to find where the studs are and nail them into the studs. Okay. Uh, because otherwise they're going to peel off that sheetrock. The sheetrock has no structural strength to hold the nails in place. Uh, and I would use uh, either finished nails or brad-type nails that are small because that cedar, you don't need a, a big nail head with it. Just 
for looks. But the studs are fairly easy to find. I mean, you can usually tap on the wall and find where the studs are. Okay. And then what were those nails again? Uh, Personally, I would I would use my little uh, Brad nailer, an air nailer, okay. and it'll make short time of it. Or finish nails if you're going to do it by hand. Okay. Yeah, probably by hand. It's not that yeah. big. but uh... Yeah, finish nails will be fine. And they don't have to be huge ones. It's just a, a small. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. You bet. Take care. Let's uh, go to Dave in Plano. This is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. Enjoy your show. Just had a question for you. Uh, we've got about a 25-year-old home, and I've always had uh, drip hoses run underneath the uh, around the foundation underneath the ground. Yeah. We're putting in a pool, and we've got about 15 feet of, I think it's paver stone decking between the pool and the house on the backside, and I'm just curious if that paver stone has enough water seepage or if I should run uh, uh, the drip hose underneath that around the no. foundation. Yeah, don't put it under it. Take the soaker hose around it just like it's part of the foundation uh, and do the same thing around the swimming pool as well. Okay, uh, have If you're going to have pool deck around the, the swimming pool... Uh, as the soils dry out and shrink and get wet and expand, that deck will go up and down. But next to the pool, it stays at the same elevation. And the next thing you know, you've got settlement on it. By keeping the soaker hoses around it, it'll uh, keep everything expanded and keep it minimized on the movement. One quick follow-up question then. So around the, between the house and the paved stone, would you run the soaker hose above ground no. around that? Or would you have them leave like three to six inches between the paved stone that they're going to lay in the foundation and run under there. Uh, anytime you have any hard surface like that, uh, whether, whether it's concrete or paved stones, any of that stuff, you can just go right around it like that's part of the foundation because it's acting as a natural moisture barrier and, and keeping the moisture from evaporating out through the sun. And and so it'll it'll hold the moisture underneath there just fine. So you'd run on under the paved stone near the foundation? Nope. Just just around the perimeter on both sides. On the top? No, not uh, on the ground only. On the ground, so have them leave a couple inches so I can do that. Uh, I, th- I think you still misunderstand. That is now part of the foundation. So just like you went around the house and, and terminated at the driveways, oh, okay. yeah, go around that just like it's part of the house. Okay, so not be concerned about the immediate foundation? Nope. Yeah, that okay. area of the foundation will be just fine. Okay, well, thanks so much, sir. You bet. Hello, Mike. How are you? I have a detached three-car garage in the backyard. It's a year building, and when they poured the slab, they poured that where the garage door comes down. They got that little step up. It's about an inch and a half, two inches. Right. I want to try to get rid of that because I have a little wood shop in there, and I got tools on some on rollers uh, tables on rollers and i need yeah. to like roll them in and out so okay. i was just thinking what would your best solution be to make a ramp or to to grind it down i, I wouldn't grind it down uh, because someday you know if you don't have the building somebody else may want to have that there you know because it, it is better for securing to keep dust from gr- blowing in leaves and stuff like that when the garage door is down uh so here's your choices. You could put a floor leveler in there because that tapers down to virtually nothing. 
and down the road you will have to replace it again because it probably over time will crumble on the edge a little bit. But what, yeah. you, what I would look at is if you go to one of the places and you can order them offline, uh, they make for handicap for so that you can run wheelchairs up over it without having any bumps. They actually make mats made up, made out of uh, ground up tires that are wedge shaped okay. that you can just set in there, and that way you can have yeah. the lip for, for most of the time. But when you need to roll tools in and out, you throw one of these mats down there, and there, roll it in and out, and you can put it up again. Oh, okay. And that's online. Uh, you can order them online. Yep. You, you know the website. No, uh, you just have to Google for uh, Google a it. wheelchair. Uh, oh, and I don't remember okay. what they call them now, but it's just a uh, just a wedge out of Roundup right. tires. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, thank you very much. You bet. Recently had to have drain line of the AC blown out two times now. Have three units. Afterwards, downstairs bathroom had water all over the floor. Prior to that, one sink did not drain after blowing out of different unit opposite side of the house. Do I need to have a plumber blow out lines through the entire house? No. What happens is the drain lines from the AC system, they're constantly, when the AC system is running, draining. Because an AC system is nothing but a big dehumidifier that's pulling moisture out of the air. Yes, it's cooling air and blowing it back in as well. But, you know, it really is just a huge dehumidifier. Well, that constant flow of water through that little three-quarter inch pipe, it builds up moisture in there, which starts to mildew and grow nasty things that we just don't need to be talking about, and it eventually plugs the pipe up. To avoid that, you periodically need to go dump bleach into the line to help keep the molds and stuff killed and keep it from plugging up. What happened, the reason you got all that water blown out all over the place, when an AC guy comes in to blow out the lines, he really should lay a towel over that sink because the way they clean them out is they use a uh, basically high-pressure nitrogen to just blast through the line and blow everything out. And sometimes, depending on how the system is tied in under the sink, it'll hit where the water is in the P-trap and psh, blow it all over the room up through the drain holes and stuff and the overflow. And by them simply putting a towel over the sink, it stops it from blowing all over the bathroom. The reason your other bathroom probably started draining slow, it blew all that sludge out of the line and got into the regular plumbing line. You don't need to blow all the plumbing lines out, but you do need to run water through it to get it going good. In some cases... Every once in a blue moon, you'll have to run a snake through the line to clean it out. But that should be the absolute worst thing you have to do. But from this day forward, if you, like I said, every couple months you go up and put a little bleach in there, you should keep it from plugging up again and keep from having that problem any longer. I believe I have a defective 20 amp breaker. A month ago, we had a ceiling fan fall. I think that should say fail. Nope, fall. After the PVC junction box broke, I replaced the box with a metal junction box and reinstalled the fan. 
The fan has a switch on the wall, so I've checked it as well. When I flip the switch on, the breaker flips. Took the fan down, and the breaker will stay on until any lights on the same circuit are turned on. If the breaker stays on without the switch on the wall or fan turned on, but break when any light is turned on, isn't that a problem with the breaker? Not necessarily. You changed out from a plastic box to a metal box, which, and I do hope that you put a brace across the uh, ceiling joist up there to hold the weight of the fan, because that's actually what caused the problem in, in the first place. But in doing so, if any of the wires got nicked a little bit passing into that metal breaker or that metal uh, junction box and are touching, as long as the light switch is off, the breaker will stay on. When you th turn the light switch on and power is running through, it can sh be shorting out in the box or someplace else in that circuit. So it's not necessarily that the breaker is bad. It very well could be that there's a short in the system somewhere, and that's what's flipping the breaker. And honestly, I would bet on that sooner than the breaker being bad because, one, it's rare for breakers to go bad, especially to flip just because a light is turned on. So I'm thinking that something on the circuit that's on that light switch is arcing out when you turn the light on, and that's the reason the breaker is flipping. So that's where I would start, and most likely... It's going to be in that junction box you installed. Uh, one of the wires probably got bare in one spot, and it's just touching the edge of that box and shorten it out. So uh, I guess the first thing I would tell you is don't be flipping the switch anymore because you don't want to set the place on fire. The second thing is let's get uh, somebody out there to check it right away or at least on your own go up there and pull the wires and take a look and see if you're seeing what the issue is. Okay, this comes from David in Houston. He has a insulation question. Existing walls have one and a half inch paper-backed insulation. And what is your recommendation for do-it-yourself foam insulation? I don't recommend it as a do-it-yourself. The foam insulation require specialty equipment and I know they do have where you can buy the bottles and inject it yourself but it's on a very limited supply and you would spend a fortune to redo the insulation in the house that way so if you want to go with foam insulation for the walls I would recommend that you hire another company to come in they actually have retrofit foam type insulation that they can inject into the wall cavities it's non-expansive, and it, it'll fill the void, seal all the air infiltrations, and really increase the R value of the home. In the attic, I would just use fiberglass insulation, bat type that you can roll out. Uh, and the main reason for that, when you use blown-in fiberglass, it settles over time. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it will settle over time and you have to add more insulation. When you use the fiberglass bat, once you roll it out, it doesn't settle. It doesn't do anything. It's just there working all the time. The R value, inch for inch, is better with foam than it is with fiberglass. That's the reason I would use the foam in the walls, fiberglass in the attic, because you can get still to an R49, whether you use foam or fiberglass, R49 is R49, but the advantage to use the fiberglass in the attic is it's still breathable, 
and it's substantially cheaper than going with foam in the attic. So, um, again, if it was my house, I'd be looking at the foam. And there is a company, since you're in Houston, who manufactures foam insulation. It's called Homesolate. And it's actually in the Houston market. So I would talk with them. Uh, you can reach them at 866-994-3626. Said uh, Pearland. Hello, Doug. Good afternoon, Jim. I'm uh, building a new house in uh, Richmond. And I want to know, if you, i got two questions. Do you think uh, it's worth my time to hire a building inspector to take it out, to check it out before I close on it? And also, I had it pre-plumbed for a water softener. Do you have any brands that you recommend? And is that something I can do myself, or should I hire a plumber to do it? Okay, let's start with the home inspection part of it. You're having this home built. Is it under construction already? Yes. Okay. I would have an independent inspector coming out during the construction, not just after it's all done. And the reason for that, he can't see how the pipes were run, how the wires were run, uh, how the insulation is, all that stuff, if he only looks at after the fact. Once a sheetrock is up, everything is hidden. So uh, go ahead and hire an inspector. D uh, Deaver's Engineering even can help you with that. Um, as far as the uh, water softener and stuff, absolutely, I do. I recommend them. I have one in my home. Uh, I went with Brita because we could have the water tested. And after testing, they can design a filtration system and softener system based on the water that's coming into my home. Uh, and so it's a combination unit that Brita has, and it works extremely well. Excellent. Excellent. Appreciate, appreciate the advice, Jim. Thank you. You bet. One of the big things that uh, you want to be watching for prior to putting on all the sheetrock and all this stuff, hurricane straps, make sure everything is tied down. Keep in mind, if a house is being built, and I don't know that this one is, outside of city limits, there really isn't any inspections. Granted, uh, the state's got it set up where the county's supposed to do this stuff, but they don't. And so it's critical that you get your own inspector during the construction phase of a home, especially if it's outside city limits. But even when you're inside city limits, you know, the inspectors are only looking for bare bones minimum code report compliance not necessarily what's the best way to do something jim i have added two cabinets to my home one in the utility room where the washer and dryer is located and one in the garage i realize that granite would be an obvious choice alternatively what would you recommend i use for a countertop well you know it, it depends on what you're going to do on these things uh, you can use granite. You can use the man-made marbles. You can use all kinds of stuff. I'm going to be honest. One of the most durable products I still like to use on countertops is Formica. Now, if you're going to put it in the garage, you can't put it on particle board because the humidity levels will allow it to expand eventually. But you can apply it to plywood, especially if you put some hardy backer board over three-quarter inch plywood uh, and then the backer board and stuff you can you can put formica on that and it will be extremely durable inexpensive to do and look great there's a lot of gorgeous formica available nowadays so truthfully it's one of those things that 
uh, is not used as much as it used to be. But for a garage and a utility room, places like that, why not? It, it, it really holds up well. And uh, just FYI, I still have for Mike in my kitchen because it does look good and it is durable. And I've had it for 16 years already. Russell, you got that crack. Yes, it, it goes through the tile, you know, and it, it uh, basically happens as the house moves up and down with the weather cycle changes. When you get ready to take that tile out and redo it, and this is what, that is what you're going to have to do to fix this problem, they make right. a mat that you put down over those cracks, and that keeps the crack from coming up through the tile again. So the crack is still there, and that's basically an expansion joint that is opening and closing with the moisture and temperature changes. Uh, all concrete has cracks in it. The bigger area of tile you have, the more likely you it is that you're going to have one of these cracks under the tile. But these mats, they're not very expensive to put down, and they give you a lot of reassurance that that crack's not going to come back through. And if you did that, you'll be just fine. And Jim, the crack runs through the entire kitchen. So, yep, um, very common. I'm um, it's very common. And then, yeah. So with regards to the moisture, though, coming up through there, is that going to, because I have lots of hollow sounding tiles because of this, uh, you know, that have... That, that map will take care of that as well because it goes down straight onto the concrete and it covers the whole thing like a blanket. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 